Welcome to the RX Podcast. I'm your host, The Coffee Guy. The RX Podcast is brought to you by RX Coffee. RX Coffee is a specialty coffee company based out of Miami, Florida, which was born out of a love for fitness and specialty coffee. Right now, currently, we have three roasts in Ethiopian, the OG roast, the uh, Costa Rican Vita roast, and the Colombian RX roast. All of these coffees are slightly different in terms of their flavor profile, and they're roasted to bring out the best flavor in the beans delivered fresh roasted to your door. All these coffees have been sustainably sourced. They are the highest quality grade that you can possibly find. If you want more uh, or to place an order for this coffee and help support this podcast, buy some coffee, drinkrxcoffee.com. Use the discount code podcast to get 20% off your first order or sign up for our monthly coffee club. You get a great discount. The coffee is consistently delivered to your door. We have some really cool t-shirts that say, all I need is coffee and a barbell. Our RX Coffee logo t-shirts. Tanks for for women as well. So visit drinkrxcoffee.com. Check out our coffee. Help support the podcast. What the RX podcast is, is we're trying to bring together people in the fitness community or just interesting people in general to get it out there, have interesting conversations with them. So if you know of anybody that you think might be a good guest or you have an interesting story just to tell, hit us up on Instagram or any of our social media accounts, drinkrxcoffee. Okay, without further ado, our guest today, uh, this was originally recorded maybe as the third or fourth podcast, but we're going to release as the second one because as a lot of our listeners know, CrossFit Regionals in the Atlantic Division is coming up this weekend. We want to make sure to release this podcast episode. The guest today will be Danny. He is the owner of CrossFit Soul in Miami. For those of you that don't know, this is one of the most competitive gyms for weightlifting and CrossFit, not only in South Florida, but it's pretty well known across the CrossFit community. Uh, Danny has coached the winner of the CrossFit Games. Uh, He's an interesting dude. Uh, I love going over to their gym. Some great people there. So without further ado, we will get you rolling. Podcast number two, Danny Lopez-Calea, CrossFit Soul. All right, now we're rolling. So podcast number three or four, I can't remember exactly. Cool. And want to introduce yourself? Sure. My name is Danny. I'm the owner of CrossFit Soul. I'm the head coach of Team Soul Weightlifting in Miami. Um, I don't know, man. What else do you want to know? All right. Well, I guess for the listeners out there that don't know, your gym, Mm -hmm. when you walk in, it has a certain aura, too, about it. It really has a lot of soul and character, no pun intended. Right. For people that don't know you, your gym is definitely one of the most competitive here in South Florida for CrossFit and weightlifting, but it's pretty well known across the country and in the community as a whole. So really, how did you get get into that? Um, Well, first of all, we, we wanted to build our gym. So it was somewhere where we felt comfortable spending all day in. That was like always the original goal. When I was younger, um, something that I actually tried to take out a loan for, most people don't know this and I've never talked about this much, but I tried to take out a loan and I actually wanted to build like a clubhouse. Wanted to put like a skate ramp in it and sell coffee out of it and have punk rock shows and just a place where people could hang out. Um, I have an uncle who I mean, I wouldn't call him wealthy, but he has money, and I had asked him to uh, help me out with that. It Nothing came to fruition, but that was always an idea that was in the back of my head. Uh, when I was mm, 18, I was involved in uh, running and booking shows at a, a local venue, uh, in South Florida. And that's just always what we wanted to do. When I started to get into training and we decided that we were going to open up soul, it was just a natural progression. Um, we never had like a limited schedule and there was no times where like I was in and out right when we opened, we spent all day there from the beginning, from our very first gym. We've had, we've moved three times. We've had four gyms. And um, from the very beginning, it was just had a very homey feel, somewhere where we feel like we could kick it all day. So when you walk into the gym, that's what, I mean, you're in my apartment right now. It kind of looks the same. <laughs> yeah, you got a lot of really cool artwork. Yeah. That's one thing I love about your gym. When you walk in, it's like the artwork. Yeah, I mean, I... character. Not... not not to put anybody out there, but me personally, I couldn't walk into a gym every day that had like Pukey the Clown painted on the wall <laughs> and the 10 domains of fitness the and the Reebok sh- logo. No, no offense dude. to Reebok. No, no offense to anybody. And if that's your thing, more power to you. But I just, I, I, I wouldn't enjoy my time in a place like that if I had to do that every single day. So we built 
something collectively that was an extension of us. And, and that goes from our apparel to not always, but a lot of the times the music that gets played in the gym to how our gym looks, our aesthetic, our, you know, we don't like hand select our coaches based on how they look. But I mean, there's a, I hate this word, but there's like a vibe of our staff and our clients and our homies, everyone there, you know, everybody's very welcome, welcoming too, because yeah. I mean, the way I got interested, introduced to you was through a friend that works out at a box that I go to. Mm-hmm. And, you know, most people from the outside looking, looking into a lot of gyms, they might see like, all right, this is an ultra competitive box yeah. gym and yeah. it'd be a little intimidating. So the first time I walked through your doors, I wasn't sure what to expect, but I was overwhelmed with kindness and people being open and you had people from all different fitness levels. It wasn't just, mm-hmm. you know, these weightlifters or people you see on Instagram that yeah. are competing at regionals and CrossFit or anything like that. There was people from all walks of life. Yeah. I mean, you know, fortunately or unfortunately, when you look on Instagram, that tends to be what is the loudest. But if you really look at like our social media, our marketing and the stuff that we put out there, uh, we don't only put out competitive stuff. Uh, that's just so happens to be what people attach themselves to the most. But dude, like all the, our competitors train in our gym in the middle of the day and that's almost it. Um, the 99% of our gym is the 99% of the community, the people that are out there. Competitors don't, they, they, they do in some ways, but they don't pay all of the bills. Uh, and, and the one thing about competitors is they do take the most amount of work. Um, and we get that. And I feel like in certain CrossFit movements, a lot of that, uh, a lot of people criticize that, that competitors will take up your gym and, da, 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 and they have a lot of issues with that. We don't, we don't have that opinion, but at the same time, we're not just a competitive gym either. Uh, I couldn't personally see how a competitive gym could pay the bills, especially not the kind of bills that we have being in like a retail spot, like a very upgraded place for a Miami gym. Um, but you know, what you were saying about people being very welcoming, um, I think that that's the case for most people. They walk into our gym, they see like people that are very, very heavily tattooed. Um, oftentimes they'll hear like aggressive punk music playing in the background. They'll see like our shirts and the certain aesthetic and they'll be like, oh my God, what did I just walk into? <laughs> and the first face, you know, every smi- every face is a smiling face. They're gonna see right when they walk in. Um, but that's like, we don't play that up. That's like who we are. Like if I'm in the grocery store and someone make, makes eye contact with me, I'm gonna say good morning. I have fucking, can I curse on here? Yeah, yeah, okay. of course. I have fucking tattoos on my head. Yeah, you know? You and, talk about whatever you want. Yeah, and, and people, uh, I feel like that's the last thing that someone expects coming out of my brother or I or some of us, you know, is like a good morning, how are you? Hold the door for you, et cetera, et cetera. And again, we don't play that up. That's just, I feel like that's common courtesy and a lot of that is lost in South Florida. By the way, I saw your brother when I was parking. I was like, oh, what's up? Dude? Yeah, he's like, he, yeah you're going to, he's like, you're going to Danny's up again. He, yeah, he lives two buildings away here in the same that's complex. I wasn't sure if I pulled him in the right place and then I saw him walking the dog. Like, oh, like, oh, that's yeah, it. Place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He so. was a great announcer, your in-house competition, yeah. by the way. It was really funny. Yeah, that's what he does, man. So, yeah, that's that's the the what we try to create at our gym is, is, is a comfortable and friendly place for all walks of people. You know, I, I, I get that, that, uh, people from the outside and I hear it all the time and, and, and we fight hard to, to, uh, to not only put that stuff out there. I get that soul seems like it's only for competitors. I couldn't I've heard people say before you're either with them or against them. I'm like, that is true. I'm like, I'm like, well, that's why is that such a bad thing? Man? <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. Like if you're competitive, like it's it not like you know, hatred. It's just like no. competitive. Yeah. I, I, I mean, with us or against us or like the, what we put on our shirt the year we went to the games, the run with us or run from us whole concept. Um, that doesn't mean that you know you, you need to be competitive or get the f out of here. That one is very far from the other. We just expect people that come in to train are going to give us everything they have for the time that they're there. And if someone is going to put it out there that they want to accomplish certain things, whatever those goals may be, um, they're going to prioritize those goals and we're going to work together to build a lifestyle program or a training program that's going to be consistent with what those goals are. And the dark side of competitive CrossFit or 
competitive fitness or whatever you want to call it, is it is a very hard line, uh, one-way street. And there's not a lot of room for other stuff. So when it does come for us to talk about the topic of competition, we are very... We, we shoot very straightforward and uh, we are very aggressive on that topic because we know what it takes to get to that level and sometimes it's not pretty. So when it comes to the, the topic of competition, that is our stance, but it's not all about competition in our gym. No, no way. Like my mom trains at our gym. My mom is at our 930 class anywhere from three to five times a week. Um, we have a 73 year old lady named Susan Fowler that trains in her gym with my mom three to four times a week in that same 930 class. 6 a.m., 7 a.m. classes filled with doctors, lawyers, teachers. Uh, you know, the, the 930 class is filled with housewives. The 4.30, 5.30, 6.30, 7.30 classes are filled with people who have regular nine to five jobs. All of our classes are full and they're full of normal people. Now, what makes our gym different is in the middle of the day, that's when the competitors come into train, you know? So I've seen it, that it's, it's similar to a lot of mixed martial arts gyms too. Yeah. Cause I used to do a little, like a lot of jujitsu and really be yeah. that sort of thing. Whereas at night and early in the morning, you'd have the people just doing the standard classes in the middle of the day, the pros would come in, they'd work out. Um, but you need the regular member members. That's what would keep the lights on for the pro guys to train until one of those guys really brought in some money for the gym. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, even our, pro guys so to speak they still pay memberships uh you know we don't we're not like uh some of the programs out west that are sponsored by nike and have big sponsorships we don't pay anybody to train with us that's pretty common in competitive crossfit by some uh, competitive training programs is you'll find programs and coaches that pay athletes to wave their flag um and to train at their gyms I had the honor to coach one of the women who won the CrossFit game several years ago, Samantha Briggs. And, and when she lived with me and was down here, uh, there were some other athletes that lived down here at, this, at the same time. They were constantly being asked by South Florida gym owners to go train at their gym and they were going to pay them money really? to like, yeah, to leave Seoul and to go like go train in their gyms. I didn't know she lived with you. Yeah. For a little over a year. Wow. That's a cool story. Yeah. Um, and, you know, stuff like that happens a lot. There's, there's been people who, who have put out there and started rumors that, you know, we were just in the right place at the right time and we've paid people to train with us and to like, that's, why would I do that? That's absurd. I would never, I don't have the money to do that, <laughs> you know? So do you, do you just have like a lot of people that are really good that want to train that come stay with you for a while or come to the gym or? Um, I mean, you know, I just introduced you to Brenda Castro. She just so happens to be staying with us right now. Um, and that does happen a lot, but that's not like something that I have organized. Like that's my son's room that she's sleeping in right now when he's not here. He's, he's with his mom. So, um, we're getting ready for regionals right now. So right now is a very important time that she spends and my, my remote athletes spend as much time as close to us, not just me, but us as possible. Um, in my previous life, when my home situation was different than it is now, uh, I had more space and, and we had athletes come quite often that would come down here and live with us for a while. Sam by far for the longest. Was it, how did, how did you meet her? Um, so, uh, the year after Sam did not qualify. Okay. So Sam won the games and I'm really bad with numbers and years, so I'm not even going to start. It's all good. Yeah. I'm, I'm not judging here at yeah, all. Yeah. I'm not even going to start to throw years and numbers and shit out there, but the, so Sam won the games the year after Sam won the games, she, uh, she, um, the final workout in the European regional, or sorry, it was not the final workout in European Regional. It was the handstand walker workout in the European Regional. Uh, she didn't do terribly, but she didn't do that well. There's a lot of like gymnasts in that region. It's very well known that the European Region for women is super, like it's the most competitive. Uh, there's some weird statistics that are statistic that uh, women well outside of the first three or five that would qualify would uh, uh, would have qualified out of out of any region, and they didn't even get a chance to. To go or they don't get a chance to go so whatever Europe's very uh, competitive Sam didn't qualify 
Um, she came to the U.S. and she competed a ton. She did, I mean, anywhere from like frogman challenges to uh, weightlifting meets and, you know, you name it. Um, and at the time, I was working for CrossFit HQ. I was working on uh, uh, Mike Bergner's seminar staff teaching the How CrossFit weightlifting course. I'm sorry? How long did you work for CrossFit HQ? For three years about. Okay. Um, teaching the CrossFit weightlifting seminar staff in Miami and all of Latin America. So any uh, CrossFit weightlifting course from the beginning of them, which was about 2012 till about 2015, I either assisted or coached all of them. And through that, and uh, I work for a company called Progenics as well, um, through the two of those, Sam was sponsored by Progenics, I met Sam. And I remember the first time we hung out was at a Granite Games, and she was warming up for the snatch, and she that's traditionally been one of Sam's weakest movements. And she was back there, and I just started helping her out, and just one thing led to the other. Hey, send me some videos. I think you can improve this. I think you can improve that. Have you thought about doing this in your training? Have you thought about doing that in her training? At the time, she was not coached by anyone. And uh, we were in the process of planning our yearly weightlifting meet, the MI Classic. And she was like, hey, what if I come do the MI Classic? I was like, cool, come do the MI Classic. You can stay with us. She's like, what if I come train for it for a few weeks? I was like, cool, even better. Fuck, you know, one of the winners of the CrossFit Games wants to come stay in, in our guest bedroom um, and train for our weightlifting meet. I was like, cool. Just so happened that that was the final qualifier for the American Open in Washington, D.C. So she did MI Classic. She qualified for the American Open. We did the American Open together. Well, that rolled right into the Open. She did the Open, trained for regionals, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. One thing kind of led to the other. And before you know it, Sam was like living with my ex-wife and I full time. Yeah. So... Uh, that's the story of how I met Sam. And, you know, still to this day, uh, I went to Brazil uh, a month and a half ago with her, spent a, a, about a week there with her. Prior to that, she competed at another weightlifting meet. I coached her in that. That was three months ago, four months ago. So, yeah, we, you know, communicate on and off pretty it's regularly. Cool. Still good friends. Yeah. Yeah. Super good friends. Yeah, I noticed that you you guys have your, I guess, uh, online program. There was a girl I remember meeting at your in-house competition mm -hmm. from Brazil that was over here training. So you have a lot Div. of people that from the international program that come to Miami to train also and not just online? Yeah, so um, through... Uh through working for HQ, teaching the seminars all in Latin America, I've met obviously a ton of Latin American athletes. And it was pretty regular, not all the time. And I never taught any of those seminars and said one word about our training program. It was never like, I'm there on behalf of Coach Bergner trying to like sell my own stuff. But it was pretty regular. You know, I'm we, we post a lot on social media about what we do in training. So we were, I would go teach a seminar, Naturally, people would like follow us or want to keep in touch with us. Then they start seeing what we're doing on a local level and people would reach out. And our, I guess our brand, so to speak, or our program grew a lot very quickly in Latin America. Um, we talked about Brenda Castro earlier. Um, I worked with Brenda almost from the beginning of her CrossFit career. And she and I, we together have developed since the beginning. I've been with her since the beginning of her development. And she's won the Open several times uh, for all of Latin America. Well, now they split the regions in two, but she still won it this year again. And she has, since she started training, been consistently been the top female athlete in all of Latin America. So through that, naturally, when you coach someone that is so talented and works so hard and has so many good results, I mean, your brand is going to grow a lot. The fact that we're in Miami, the fact that I'm Cuban-American and speak really shitty Spanish, <laughs> um, and all of our coaches speak really shitty Spanish, uh, helps a lot, you know? So since then, we go down there all the time. We have had team soul training seminars all over Mexico, um, all over Brazil. We've done one in Colombia. We've traveled a ton, not just with HQ, but doing our own thing down there as well. It's pretty cool. Yeah. So in the early days, how did you first find CrossFit and weightlifting? 
Um. Okay. So this is this is a long story. Hey, I'm I'm up for hearing it, man. Right. I, I don't know you that that well. Like that's part of the. This is what I like doing. This like yeah, yeah, learning yeah. about people that are interesting people. You seem you're a really interesting dude. So I love hearing. Cool. Story. I appreciate it. So um, I got sober in 2006, and uh, part of that was me having to go. Well, kind of me having, kind of me choosing to go to a drug rehab program. And in that program, there was a uh, there was like an exercise class that they would take us to, and it was in, just outside of South Miami Hospital, and um, it was kind of like a modified boot camp. Very funny story. My business partner now, Sean Velas, who also works for CrossFit Gymnastics, CrossFit HQ, he was the instructor of that boot camp program for that rehab center. So I met Sean in, in, in 2006. And I was... Uh, Were you lifting at the time, doing much before that? or No. I was a heroin-addicted, junkie, degenerate, homeless scum of the planet Earth. Zero uh, experience in lifting or fitness. I mean, the the most so starting from scratch. Yeah. So the most fitness I had done at that point was when I was a kid, um, playing baseball, playing basketball. Nothing super competitive. Nothing to write home about. I was not a competitive weightlifter growing up or anything like that. Um, the most athletic stuff that I did was uh, like a little bit of skateboarding. Uh, playing punk rock shows and hardcore shows. Um, and that's really it, man. That's as far as like my fitness took me. I did uh, do Taekwondo for about two years when I was in middle school, but that was it. That was my only experience. And then my life got real crazy very quickly. Um, drugs and jails and institutions and you name it, I've more than likely experienced it between the ages of 12 to 21. Was it the music, the girls, the parties that led to that sort of thing? Uh, I don't know. I don't know, man. I I, uh, I try not to like dig too deep into that. I, I don't know why. If, like, if I look back, I see that, uh, you know, growing up, I never really felt like I fit into a certain subset, any certain group of people. And, you know, you could say maybe I tried using to fit in or whatever. Who knows? I don't know. But um, I, I, I didn't get famous enough playing hardcore and punk rock music where like it was the boo you know it's not like Motley Crue <laughs> where right. it's like the girls and you know all that but uh you know it was just a lot of destructive behavior it was more like urban kid uh graffiti culture kind of stuff that was like my all my for formative years were in those subcultures and just a lot of that living in South Florida that's like what happens it's like you know you you either do or you don't there's no real in between uh, and I did and did it really well and I did a lot of it you know um, so yeah uh, in my formative years when I was a kid there was none of it none of it at all uh, if there was one pattern that you do see fr from back then into like my, my, my fitness life now is uh, I've always been like the most opinionated and the most loud and uh, kind of, I don't know, I, I hate to hear these words come out of my mouth, but like I've, I was always told that like I was a natural leader and a good speaker, I guess. And um, I think I carry a lot of that with me now. So back then, like I knew a lot about like playing fast, aggressive music and selling and using a lot of drugs. And I like led that really well. And I did that really well. And now it's like the same thing with snatch, clean and jerk, aerobic work, air bike, et cetera, et cetera. You know? Um, so to get back to that story, uh, I, uh, that was my first introduction to any kind of training at all, like formal training as an adult. Um, and I didn't even really like it at first. I just did it because that's what we had to do, you know, being in that program. 
Um, and uh, one of my roommates in that rehab center at the time, he was all big and jacked and he was into training. So we used to do like little workouts in our like cottages in the rehab center. And um, when I got out, my therapist what was like, the first thing you got to do is go to a meeting. Second thing you got to do is I want you to get a gym membership. And I was like, uh, okay. And I did that. My dad had like a Bally's Total Fitness gym membership and like he put me under him and, you know, I just went to the gym and, and uh, naturally, I don't know, it, uh, the drugs were gone. I didn't have a lot to do. So I would just go to the gym when I wasn't in a meeting or I wasn't working. And uh, like I said before, just like everything else, anything that like I was remotely interested in sparked any interest in me, I wanted to learn all about it. So I would like read every muscle and fitness magazine I could get my hands on. I would read anything and everything about Arnold Schwarzenegger that I could get my hands on. Um, anyone in the gym that looked like they knew what they were doing, I would talk to them immediately and just try to learn as much as I could about this stuff. I did the same thing with recovery and I did the same thing with like the gym life, you know? Um, I did both really well. I did recovery really well and did the, 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 the gym thing really well. And I started working in treatment centers, giving back and helping other young men get clean and sponsoring young men and speaking all over the place, et cetera, et cetera. And in one of the rehab centers that I worked in, one of my buddies, who uh, I'm still pretty close with now, he uh, he showed me the CrossFit.com website, like the old school website. This was in 2008, maybe the end of 2007 or something like that. He showed it to me for the first time, and uh, by then, I was kind of, I, I wouldn't call it powerlifting. Like, I was not competitively deadlift or I wasn't competitive in the deadlift, the bench, and the squat. But that was like, those were definitely the foundations of my training then. That with some, I don't know, aesthetic bodybuilding stuff, a ton of cardio, and I would play basketball every single night. That was like my 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 fitness routine. Um, and I was pretty like outgoing about how I like to train. My buddy knew that, so he showed me the website. And I, I, I would watch videos of, of Matt Mursky and Dutch Lowry and Chris Spieler doing 100 uh, kipping pull ups and, and, and the original Nasty Girls videos and watching videos of Nicole and uh, all, reading all of Greg Glassman's original journals from way back when with the, with the dog on the, uh, on the front of it. And I would watch it and go back to work with my buddy. Um, and I'd be like, yeah, these kipping fucking pull-ups are whack, dude. Like that shit is cheating. You know, <laughs> like that is, I, I, so I, I would pick CrossFit workouts to do on my cardio day. Um, but I would do everything strict. Uh, I would even like, I, all the Olympic lifts at the time was all self-taught. There was, there were zero books on weightlifting that were accessible at the time. Um, there was no YouTube. There was nothing. There was like message boards online and uh, getting your hands on whatever Olympic footage and content you could. And everything was self-taught. Um, so in 2008, uh, the first gym opened up that was close to me. I'm, I live in Kendall. I'm from that area. And a gym called CrossFit Kingdom opened up in, I think it was 2008. And uh, my ex-wife and I went to that gym and we were actually his, his very first clients. We went on the day of the grand opening with my buddy who uh, was a longtime member from CrossFit 305 up north. All of those guys went and I signed up that day. And um, within a month, I was managing that gym. I was doing everything. I was doing payroll, updating the website, making his t-shirts, uh, and, and a lot of it was out of necessity because, uh, you know, the, the, that guy is, he's a good human, uh, but was not ready to open a business at that time. Neither was I. I like had zero formal training on coaching people, on running a gym, on opening a business, on fucking doing anything. And I mean, I was three years sober 
at that time. You know, I had very little life skills, but out of necessity, because he didn't know what the hell he was doing at that time, and there was nobody else to help, I would hang out with him and he'd be like, I don't know how to do any of this stuff and pay the bills and the rent check and auto debit this and I don't know my bank account number and I don't know where to drop the check off and I don't know how to get insurance and holy shit, we have an inspection coming up, you name it. It was just like, oh, okay, man, I'll help you. And, um, we started making so much money at that gym. I started coaching so many hours that I wrote him a proposal about me quitting my job. And I was like, look, bro, there's X amount of dollars coming into this gym. I can't keep doing this how I've been doing this, which is working 45 hour work weeks. At that time I was working in public school teaching kids about drug prevention. Um, I can't keep working how I'm working and uh, still come and open and close your gym five days a week and be here on the weekends as well. It's just impossible. Um, and it was possible. He made it possible. I, I quit my job and I full-time, 100% managed that gym for quite some time. Um, I did learn a lot from him coaching-wise. He is super OG bodybuilding Miami guy and also super OG CrossFitter. So I learned a ton about just, I don't know, man, like original CrossFit from him. Uh, if there's one thing that I can say about that guy, he is like an encyclopedia for uh, all things original CrossFit. Like he can tell you all of Greg Glassman's original seminars and things that he said and journals that he wrote and the original intention of CrossFit and like CrossFit in its purest, pure, purest sense. Um, he was very good at that. So that was kind of ingrained in me. And I learned a lot from him, uh, not just him, but a lot of local gym owners as well. I, uh, I would go every weekend to a different local gym, you know, from CrossFit Threshold to CrossFit 305 and CrossFit North Miami Beach, some of the original CrossFit affiliates down here, and spend weekends and days and go out to eat with those guys and go to punk rock shows and dinners and just learn from them, soak up as much as I could. Fernando David at South Florida CrossFit, Steve Bowser at the time was CrossFit Affliction, now Broward CrossFit. All those original South Florida guys are really attached myself to a lot to learn about how to run a business for CrossFit Kingdom at the time and also how to coach. Um, you know, with that, I took every single seminar that I could get my hands on that CrossFit did or that a CrossFit person spoke highly of. So all the original OPT stuff, um, all the original Greg Everett stuff, Rob Wolf, uh, you know, that with all of the CrossFit seminars that I could afford and or travel to. You know, I, I just made it a point to do that and learn from these coaches and train under them and follow their online programs, et cetera, et cetera. So, man, this is a long story. Oh, huh? this is good. This is yeah. Good. This so is good stuff. you got me going, dude. So I crushed my bulletproof coffee before. Get, I, if I'm looking away, oh, that's <laughs> awesome. If I'm looking away, it's because I'm just making sure it's recording. I don't want to make sure it doesn't <laughs> no, stop. And it's we lose all good. It. This is good. Mm. I'll have to get you some of my coffee, too. I will. I will. I will. And when I say bulletproof coffee, I don't mean that brand. I basically yeah, yeah, mean just coffee with butter. Like, <laughs> he stole the idea from Rob Wolf. Yeah, he did. He absolutely did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we can talk about that, too, man. Um, but... Uh, so, uh, where was I? Uh, all right. So in, in 2010, uh, you know, it's just the typical story of feeling like I was working more than I was getting back from this gym that I was at. And I was really killing myself and seeing some things mismanaged and some stuff was a little sketchy that I was not, it just wasn't me and I didn't want to be involved in. And I kind of wanted to, to, to push myself as far away from some things that were happening as I could. So I left and I opened my own gym. Um, I left, I opened my own gym and, you know, naturally at the time at Kingdom, um, a lot of the people that came to sign up signed up under me. There were honestly people that I had grown up with and were childhood friends with and friends in recovery with and played punk rock and hardcore with and my whole family trained there so when we left you know there were a good amount of people left with us we moved uh, soul called crossfit soul the original yeah, one too. yeah 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 so soul opened up in uh august of 2010 
Um, Where was the first location? On 48th Street and 72nd Avenue. It was a 12, no, it was a 900 square foot uh, warehouse with a small uh, balcony that added 300 more square feet. That was our office. It was a really, really, really tiny place back in the warehouses um, on 48th Street. So uh, close to like the tropical, right where we are now, basically. Okay. Um, we opened there and we started with 15 members or so. And, um, you know, just like I told you at the beginning of the podcast, we, we just made it a point to make our gym look cool for us and, and, and build a place where we wanted to spend all day at. And, you know, I, at that point I had managed a CrossFit gym for such a long time and had been, you know, fitness and recovery had been my priority for such a long time that I didn't really know how to do anything else. And having the addictive tendencies that I had, that's, that's all I did, dude. I like buried myself into the gym. Um, at no point that I really wanted to, to be, uh, I, I, I did a lot of local competitions, a ton, but at no point that I ever want to be like a games athlete. I never told myself that from the very beginning, I just wanted to have the best fucking gym in South Florida. That's all I ever wanted to do. There were no competition goals associated to that. There were no general population goals. And I want to help as many people as I can and help people lose weight. And it wasn't really that, like not one or the other. I just knew I wanted to have the dopest, best gym in South Florida and be successful enough that I could be happy. That was it, you know? Um, and we grew very quickly. We like brought down many of the, the what I call like the second wave of seminars that, that CrossFit brought on. We brought down all those original ones into our very small gym. Um, the gym grew very quickly. We hosted, a few, or not hosted, ran a few of our own competitions there. The first MIA Classic was there, which is the first weightlifting meet in South Florida ever, Olympic weightlifting meet. You guys have meet. done that since what year now? 2012, something like that? The first year we did it was 2011. The second year we had opened. So the always, second year it's always we, in the we summer, open. right? It's always in the summer, yeah. Um, we've kind of played with the dates because we used to run two meets. Uh, the next one's going to be in September. Okay. So this upcoming September um, at an art space called Lemon City that's right outside of Little Haiti in the Wynwood area. Um, but, uh, you know, like I said, I just attached ourselves to, to uh, anyone we thought that was doing something cool and knew something that we didn't. Um, and we, like, really emulated a lot of the, the West Coast gyms that we thought were doing something cool. What was happening out there a lot at the time was a lot of gyms were starting to talk about better weightlifting practices than, you know, traditional CrossFit was, was, was putting out there. And that was something uh, that was always very fascinating to me is learning more about the snatch and the clean and jerk. And in those early days, um, a Cuban national coach uh, who had defected from Cuba and was living in South Florida, his name is Camilo Garcia, came to our gym. And, uh, you know, he came with these like very old newspaper clippings of him coaching and, and coaching at Pan, uh, Pan Ams and all these Pan American uh, record holders and these uh, national record holders in Cuba. And he knew Olympians and had all this great stuff to say and had this very impressive resume. And he was like, I want to teach weightlifting here. And at the time, I was doing as best as I could, but I was running our own weightlifting club. We had a very small weightlifting club prior to him. And when he came, he taught me a ton about Olympic style weightlifting. That was my coach for about three, three and a half years. Um, <clears throat> is he still around? He is still around. Uh, he worked for us for for a long time, um, and he's awesome, but he is an old, stubborn, fucking Cuban guy. <laughs> and um, with how we wanted to run our business, there was just a lot of headbutting, and, and it was just not easy for us to work together with him. And there was no hard feelings, but just after a while, you know, he, he wanted to coach at other places, and we were okay with it, so hey, go do your thing, man, and... and we, you know, he still comes by every once in a while and we're still very friendly, but he just doesn't work for us anymore. Okay. Um, 
you know, we didn't necessarily outgrow him, but we wanted to do things differently than uh, what he was willing to do at that time. So uh, we parted ways. But uh, Camilo Garcia taught my staff and I uh, not everything we know about weightlifting, but he definitely gave us a very strong base. And we spent hours and days and nights and months and years attached to the hip with that old man. Um, and he taught us a lot about the sport of weightlifting and just strength training in general. He didn't know anything about um, training the aerobic system. He didn't know anything about endurance training or gymnastics or really anything else. But uh, he, he taught us a ton about weight training and, and, and weightlifting for sure. Um, so since then, the gym has moved one, two, three times. So we've had, we're in our fourth location now. I'm not saying I have four gyms. We have one gym, but we've moved three times. Was there, were all of those planned or yeah. unexpected changes? There? Um, the second one was a little rushed and unexpected. Um, and I kind of, in some ways, regret that second move. Um, but they were all good, positive moves. Um, in South Florida, you know, real estate is very expensive and rent is very expensive. And the gym opened after like the big crash when things started to boom again. And we've always had a really hard time finding enough space for us that has enough parking. It's a really tough time in uh, or for CrossFit gyms or gyms like ours in South Florida is um, you know, warehouses have the most space but have the shittiest parking and they're not really illegal. They're not yeah. legal for most Very CrossFit true. gyms to operate back there. You know, so we had to do... We did whatever we had to do to operate illegally for a very long time without a certificate of use and without enough parking. Um, fuck it. We did whatever we had to do at that time to save as much money to now be in kind of, sort of, the space of our dreams in some ways. We have like a facility now that is uh, great for my staff and myself great for our competitors, great for our mom and pops, great for our general population. We have air conditioning, which I, I remember for a long time, I, I used to talk shit about gyms that had AC, but I think I, I used to just do it because I was fucking jealous and I thought I would never be able to afford or have a gym with an air conditioning yeah, the system gym I, in it. The box I typically go to, has it has AC, but I've been to some that don't. And, and if you're in Florida, or like, I drop into a lot of some gyms in Texas in the summertime, Fuck. it gets brutal. Let me tell you something about The Last Soul. Did you, did you ever go to, to The Last Soul? No. It looked like a fucking bomb shelter. <laughs> the last soul had a very cool aesthetic. It was in the middle of almost an acre empty field. Um, and uh, it, it looked like it belonged in Texas because it, it, you do not find places like that in South Florida. You, you probably would in Homestead. You probably would in Davie, like way out west. But in southwest Miami-Dade, where we're at in West Miami, you would not find a 6,500 square foot standalone uh, steel siding building that looked like a bomb shelter That's in an acre of empty land. That's it, exactly like a box I went out to. My parents live outside Fort Worth, Texas. So yeah. when I go out there, there's there's a gym I go to. What gym do you go to outside? Out there, it's called, they live in Alito. It's a small town. Okay. Outside, it's like 20 minutes outside Fort Worth. It's called CrossFit Alito. Okay. And it's in the middle of nowhere, basically, where they live. They kind of like it. They're in a neighborhood. But I remember working out there the first time and during the wad, it's like a gigantic, you know, like 50, 60 foot story warehouse with big open doors, one of those huge blade fans. That's their air conditioning. And they have we like, had the same this... setup with no fans, <laughs> <laughs> but they have like, this giant concrete floor. And there's something I thought out of the corner of my eye, I see and it goes running across the floor. And I look Snake. over. It's a fucking tarantula. Oh, and I'm shit. like, is that? And she goes, yeah, that's a tarantula with her Texas accent. Mm -hmm. And she's like, we get those from time to time. Don't worry. They're not that poisonous, the ones I have. They're not kinda that like a, poisonous. It's kind of like Fuck a that. beast thing. It won't kill you. And then when I go to grab my bag, I had whatever, like one of those little tie-over-your-shoulder bags just to throw like car keys in or whatever with the drawstrings. 
I went to go reach my bag. There was like three baby tarantulas in there that I almost oh put my hand my right into. Oh my God, dude. So I could not yeah, deal with We're lucky that. we might have Fuck creatures that. here, but yeah, tarantulas running across the floor. No, not. never. We had, uh, we had a fox that was in the field of our gym. Uh, we had a lot of weird animals and a lot of weird stuff uh, at that place. I'll tell you what, the worst thing about our last soul are the mosquitoes around this time of year. Like, especially, it's been raining like shit the last two days. Whoever's in that warehouse now is suffering. And you can ask anybody who trained with us for the games that year and around that era of Seoul. Um, it was torture. And I hate to say it, but we even lost clients because, I mean, we just couldn't keep that gym clean. It was like in the middle of a swamp. Like behind us was literally a swamp, um, like high grass and just dirt and mud. The landlord didn't take care of the property and he wouldn't let us upgrade it and do what we wanted to do to it. So we like shared the ba our back lot with, um, with a tow truck guy who was a pig. And it was just overgrown grass and literally mud. The front, the whole parking lot was unpaved, <clears throat> the whole thing. So it was just rocks and dirt and like sand and shit. It was disgusting. I've seen and, some some pretty nasty CrossFits. I don't want to say in certain cities because whenever I've traveled, yeah, uh, I'll just find some place and I'll always take coffee with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Make yeah, it in the morning, yeah. share it, kind of like what I did at your place. And uh, yeah, I've seen some places where like, man, you walk in like it the was bathroom, rough, there's a dude. hole in the wall that goes to like some field. <laughs> like somebody will walk by and be like, hey, we homeless look, people running in. We had the gym cleaned every single day. We had a cleaning service come. Uh, you know. Greg Glassman originally said that one of the most the one of the most impactful things and things that he pays attention when he drops in the cross gym is a clean bathroom. So the attention to detail on our bathroom has always been solid, and that's always been a really big thing for us is making sure that the bathroom is clean. Yeah, you guys have like a legit like real bathroom. Most CrossFit's now, are, yeah. Most but, CrossFit's you open the door and it's like one one you know bathroom for everybody yeah. unisex and there's stuff everywhere. Yeah, I mean, dude, we came up hard. We like we we uh for a CrossFit gym every penny that was earned was reinvested or saved into that gym there i i've been getting paid the same since soul opened almost um i have I, I, that's my baby that is my priority my son and my gym that's like those are the things i uh I couldn't tell you for how many years, and still now it even happens, where I have to pay my employees before I even pay myself. You know, that's like my thing, that's my legacy. I don't do it to make money. Uh, money is important, and I need to be able to put food on the table for my son and I. Um, but you know, like I've buried myself so much into that gym to a fault in some areas. Like, uh, I hate to say it, but in many ways, it was the cause of, of, of my divorce. I was married for uh, almost 10 years. And, uh, you know, I've made the gym my number one priority even over that, you know? So, you know, I've, I've learned a lot of lessons along the way. I would not do anything different, you know? Um, but, uh, yeah, that's, like, been the story of soul and everything. And then, you know, along the way, uh, we've had opportunities of, uh, I will say this competitively, it was a goal of mine to w one day be able to coach at the CrossFit games. And now I can say that I've done that multiple times, many, 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 many times over from individual athletes, masters, athletes, teams across the board. Um, you know, but besides that, we've had opportunities of, you know, through training with us, it, it has reversed my father's diabetes. Um, one of my good friends growing up who was having a ton of health issues, we helped him drop 150 pounds. My brother started training with us when he weighed 300 and I think 40 pounds. He has a big tattoo on his arm of 330 with a line through it. Um, that's what it's from. Huh? That's what it's from. He actually weighed in more than that, but that's like, that was like a big weight for him. And uh, he, now I, I think the lowest that he's weighed in very recently was like 198 something like that so we've helped so many people on all levels and all walks um train and get their shit back together we've done a lot for 
recovering addicts in our community as well. There's been countless young men and women who have had like a really hard time finding a purpose in their life and getting clean. And they have made soul like their number one. And they've just learned a lot of life skills being around us and being around the people of our gym. They've gone on to do awesome things. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that. Do you have any like specific programs or organizations you work with to help out? Um, So the treatment center that I went to, South Miami Hospital Addiction Treatment Program, uh, which is at South Miami, we... Uh, we did their boot camp program. So it's it's really funny. That boot camp program that I went to when I was in treatment almost 13 years ago, after we were in our second location and we had the space, they came and we trained them for free for about two years. Unfortunately, that treatment center closed. Um, you know, but... I, uh, I still go speak at, at, at high schools. I don't do it as often as I would like to, and I don't do it as often as I used to do. But, uh, you know, I get asked to uh, go speak to kids, you know, often enough. So we do stuff like that. But there's no real organization. Like, I know there's, 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 there's uh, recovery fitness organizations. I heard it on the CrossFit podcast, two guys that were interviewed by them that have some reps for recovery thing. I know uh, that Donuts and Deadlifts Girl has a has some recovery program at her gym. You ever They're- heard of a Per Ingham CrossFit in Denver? No. There was. I was actually out in Denver, so I have a cousin. I was out there for her wedding mm-hmm. last summer, and I dropped into like three different boxes when I was out there. Which that altitude, man, it's killing. Yeah, it's I brutal. I got two I minutes into Denver an AMRAP, well. and I was on the ground. And yeah. I have decent cardio, and oh, it's brutal. But there's this place called Per Ingham. I think uh, ING. I'm horrible at spelling up, but anyway, but they had a regular CrossFit and then they had their nonprofit arm, and it was like they, it was cool because they had like two gyms and there's a big yard like with concrete you could do wads in between them but their whole thing was they're a center for recovering addicts and alcoholics mm-hmm. and they let the people work out there for free and the train them and have clean. programs for them it was really cool I forget the guy's name there's some guy that used to live down like West Palm Beach that just moved out there so they had a really cool program Palm Beach is full that's like the recovery capital of literally the world yeah so this guy was in a program in Palm Beach but moved all yeah, the way makes to Denver sense. all the way to Denver to help him out with that gym but it yeah. really cool place yeah there's I mean I know there's a lot of them and I wouldn't be opposed to uh, teaming up with someone who shared the same core values as I and we do and if it made sense I would I would do something like that I don't really have the time uh, right now to spearhead something like that myself uh, but if the stars aligned and if it made sense I would for sure I would be very passionate about doing something like that I love going to work with kids I love going to treatment centers uh, speaking to people people of of all different look i have been in very wealthy high-end treatment centers all the way to like homeless indigent behavioral modification like in the hood like gnarly 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 treatment centers and i love going to them on either sides of the spectrum i used to go to you know schools like gulliver like very expensive high-end private schools and tell my story and i'll go to the hood to a dull pole and share my story at a meeting you know with people nodding out right in front of me and that are dope sick like whatever you know um so yeah i would be involved in something like that but we just haven't you know i i uh haven't found something like that in south florida but uh, maybe from people hearing this podcast, someone will hit me up and want to help me with something like that. I know a lot of people at a lot of different organizations. Maybe I'll help out with that. Song. Yeah, man, that would be cool. I would be I would love to be involved in something like that. We we definitely have the experience. We have the people in our gym. We have a lot of clean time in our gym. Um, and we have people that are very passionate about doing the right thing when no one's looking and training. So I think it would make a lot of sense, you know. Do you so. have any short-term, long-term goals on the horizon with with your gym, with CrossFit, or just kind yeah. of? Yeah. So short-term, right now, uh, for me, I hate to say it because I, you know, I started out this podcast by telling you how it's not all about competition, but right now we are preparing for regionals, and we have two teams that came out of our gym Um, and I'm very proud to say that we are one of the first like homegrown true 
programs without the big flashy sponsors that have put together two teams that are really f- good fucking teams. Um, that, and we have a ton of individuals competing at regionals. So right now, for myself and uh, one of our coaches, that is all of our focus is on those guys right now. So the team, it's is it the co-ed team or the male-male, female-female? Um, so Dave Castro on the CrossFit Games uh, administration made an announcement quite a few months ago, I think it was in like December, that they were gonna change the way that uh, the the team competition looked like at, at the CrossFit Games going forward. And um, it used to be three men, three women, always a co-ed team, still co-ed, but now it's two men, two women. So it's a team of four. So we have two teams of four coming out of Seoul this year in the Atlantic Regional. Our top team won our region, first place in our region, finished, I believe, it's weird, the leaderboard still will change with people getting pulled out and switching from team to individual and DQs and weird shit like that, but I believe we finished uh, seventh in the world, first in our region, first in the other region that we're competing with, so seventh overall in the world, and our second team finished 12th in our region, which is really good. Who are the members on the teams? Uh, The members on the first team, uh, the men are uh, Julian Cerna, Todd Smith, who was on our games team two years ago, uh, Danielle Yopis, who's one of our coaches, also was on our games team from two years ago. Melissa Alonzo, my girlfriend, who uh, was also on our games team from two years ago. That's the top team. Second team, um, uh, that team also, there's there's no, well, technically, I'm the alternate. It's kind of like a big joke, but <laughs> <laughs> um, there are no real alternates on that team. That team decided, like, hey, you know, if one of us gets hurt or something happens, uh, we we don't want to go. We don't want to go. We don't want to try to make it to the games. Like, this is our team. This is what we're doing. This is what we're sticking with. We don't want to leave any ifs, ands, or buts. No alternates. No last-minute drama. Nothing. This is all we got. If it, And we we did leave it open to our client base and our other competitors. If you guys want to try to compete for a spot on this team, you're more than welcome. Nobody wanted to. It wouldn't have happened anyways, <laughs> realistically. Um, but the second team, uh, the men, uh, 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 Brian David... Um, uh, Robbie Rodriguez, Carrie, uh, his last name is Val, V-A-L-L-E, Valle. I'm, maybe that's how that's pronounced. So Carrie's an alternate on that team. Uh, the women are Adriana Galera, Christina Bayerell. I don't know. We call her Bay, Christina Bay. Yeah, I think she's Chris, Christina Bay on Instagram. On Instagram, yeah. And I just, I don't know. We call her Bay. Um, and Anna Schwarz is the is the alternate on our team. That's how we were introduced. Yeah. Through Anna. Shout out to what Anna. What up, Anna? Listening. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Those. Those are the those are the two squads in this region. We have uh, Laura Gonzalez and Jordan Christie are two individuals here in this region, and then in yeah, Latin she was America, just here, right? Because I was yeah, Laura I, was, I was walking. I was out. wondering if I was in the right place. Yeah. And brother was like, oh, yeah. it's up here. And yeah, then, everyone here. from Seoul fucking lives in this apartment complex. No, she was walking out. She had to drop something off, uh, and then in Latin America, we got a ton of athletes and another team that we kind of help with there as well. So. Yeah, man. Long-term goals. Just uh, keep on kicking ass with our gym, man. You know, keep on doing what we're doing and uh, just continuing to build a, a, a very strong brand. I have no goals of ever opening a second gym. Um, if if uh, I've I have way too many friends that have done that themselves. They've had one successful gym thinking that they would be able to repeat that model somewhere else. And I couldn't tell you how many of them have closed. Not that that's the case for everyone. And I'm not that that would be the case for us. But if it was a perfect scenario and the money was right and there was a very strong support structure, uh, I would consider doing it. But I would never do what I did or what I've done again. I would never like start from the bottom just because like it, it has very much been a team effort, but in the early years it was very much like all me and I, uh, I don't have enough me. I have a son now. Um, and I don't have enough time to do what I did again. 
you know. But if the money was right and someone put the money for a project, our team, we would consider it. We would fucking crush it. I know we would. But it's just not in the cards right now. That's not happening. You yeah, know? It's like people that try to open up other restaurants. If you're not there all the time, you're not putting yourself yeah. in front of the customer. It's just hard to do. It's hard to replicate. Yeah, Soul is like so much us. You know, I, I would feel really weird about what was happening when I'm not there. You know, I, I know there's like so many CrossFit business experts that I've heard. And I've listened to everything. I've heard every freaking CrossFit podcast. I've heard every self-proclaimed business guru in the fitness market and 12 easy ways to grow your client base in freaking 30 days or less and da-da, join this 30-day challenge in 12 weeks. And I've heard everything. And I'm not knocking anything, but it's just not for me. Like, I know how to do this one way. And maybe it sounds stubborn, but we're fucking killing it. Yeah. So, so when you're, when, let me ask you a, mm-hmm. a, a question. We'll wrap this up shortly. Yeah. I don't want to hold you here all night. It's all good. House, but uh, where, where does a leader like you look for inspiration? Like what motivates you? What what do you read? What do you, what podcast or books or what what is it you do to find uh, that inspiration to drive you? For my... Okay, so for my reading and my podcasting, because I listen to a lot of podcasts, I try to get myself as far away from fitness and CrossFit as possible, to be honest with you. There's a few fitness, like I do listen to the CrossFit podcast because that comes from CrossFit HQ. So I think it's important for us to stay relevant and like know what is going on. We also have our own podcast and we talk about like what's topical in CrossFit. Team Soul podcast, that's where people can find it, right? Yep, yep, yep. Um, So... I do listen to that, but everything else that I read that I enjoy doing when I'm not at the gym um, is not in the CrossFit world. It is very much still involved with how I grew up, which is like punk rock, graffiti, subculture, uh, hardcore music. That's like what I'm really interested in when it doesn't come from fitness. Where do I find inspiration from? Uh, Number one, I want to be the best dad for my kid as I can. I want to Sorry, that's our dog. <laughs> you know, every podcast I've done, toy. somebody has a dog. So well, this is a running theme there now. There you go. Thank her. Chill out. Um, I want to be the best dad for my kid as I can be. I I, uh, I don't want to be like emotionally glued to my phone all day. I don't want to be distracted all day. Um, I want to be able to provide the best life for him as I can. So that is like the number one source where I pull my uh, killer fisherman, man. Killer fisherman. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, man. I, I like spending quality time with my kid and doing as much as I can with him outside of the gym. Um, and uh, secondly, I want to be the best leader in my way, how I want to be for my employees and for the people at my gym. I want to lead by example. I want to be able to provide for them. I want our gym to be something that these folks can believe in, buy into, and be able to live full time off of. And I don't think that there's many gyms down here like ours in CrossFit. Maybe there's like personal training gyms and other stuff, but there's very few gyms like ours that provide that much for that many people because we have a big staff and and many of them it's like a it's full-time money yeah it's hard yeah it's hard to find because i like i you know i pop around a lot of gyms and boxes yeah you know a lot of these trainers they're making money from personal training it's not really working there they're struggling yeah 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 i mean personal training is definitely a huge part of the puzzle and that is a big way that we do uh, help our guys or help provide for our guys is, is, is through that. Um, I don't think there's like a lot of future in, in coaching hour long group fitness classes, right? You've got to diversify what you do well beyond just coaching group fitness classes, whether that's more online offerings, like what we try to do more personal training, also like what we try to do more administration and leading programs and starting weightlifting clubs and boot camp programs and weight loss challenges etc cetera, etc cetera. um you know those are the kinds of things that will give you longevity in a gym like ours if 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 you're in it for coaching 60 minute group fitness classes that has a very short shelf life and a very high burnout rate in my opinion 
And you know. uh, where do people find, is it just teamsoul.com to find your online programs? How can people sign up for this? How can they, they find you guys to get involved if they're not here locally? Yeah. Uh, if you're not here locally, you can check us out www.teamsoultraining.com. Uh, on Instagram, we are at Team Soul. Um, anything you want to know is is on there. Pretty much, we have a sport of fitness or a CrossFit program that goes on all year long. We break things up in anywhere from eight to twelve week phases, so people always know like what phase they're in and what they're training for and what their training should look like. That's consistent with the CrossFit sanctioned training year and season. We have a barbell club that is broken up into two programs, one that focuses on strength training and powerlifting, and another one that focuses on Olympic weightlifting. We do personalized and individualized programs for people based on their goals, based on their training schedule, based on their strengths and their weaknesses. Not everyone has to have the goal of wanting to qualify for nationals, a world team, or the CrossFit Games. We do remote training for people who are rehabbing from injuries. We have weight loss clients. We have people, honestly, that just train in CrossFit gyms that they don't that they want something else. They just don't want what their local CrossFit gym has to offer. So we train them remotely. There's many different people with many different goals that we train remotely. And anything you want to know or, you know, if, if, if there's another offering or something else that you want remotely from us in the training realm that we don't have on there, hit us up and we'll see if we could do it, you know? All right, cool. Yeah. Well, we'll wrap this up. Thank you very much. Thank and, you, And uh, we'll put a wrap on it. Cool.